Welcome to the Leader Manager Coach Podcast, your weekly podcast where we take a deep dive examining knowledge, philosophies, wisdom and insights to help you to lead, manage and coach in football, sports and life. Leader Manager Coach is presented by Rob Riles. Rob is a qualified coach with a League Managers Association qualification and a science and medicine background. He has worked in the football industry in Europe, USA and Africa at international, premiership, league, non-league and grassroots levels with World Cup and European Championship experience. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Leader Manager Coach podcast. It's Rob Riles welcoming you along to another programme. Now in today's episode, I make no bones about it, this is an extremely niche topic. It is about football and it is about some of the most intricate detail and currently most appropriate in terms of what's going on at the moment in the game. And uh, it's a discussion into around a book, um, but it's about a book that's entitled The Philosophy of Football in Shadows of Marcello Bielsa written by Jed Davis. Now, a great deal of the inspiration and the content that I'm going to talk about is from a a result of digesting Jed's book. Um, But the Marcello Bielsa enigma, if you like, is obviously something that's affecting the whole game, particularly in the UK, um, but this is this is the philosophy of football in shadows of Marcello Bielsa by Jed Davis. That the, the the credit goes to Jed. And um, before I get into the detail and to talk about what I want to talk about, I want to give uh, credit to Jed Davis for producing uh, an unbelievable work. In all honesty, um, it's not an easy read, but it's never going to be an easy read in light of the topic that he's tried to unveil and try being an operative word when you read between the lines of how how challenging it is to actually discover and get to know Bielsa and to understand the man behind the philosophy. It is a monumental work and if you're into football coaching as your profession then um, I, I'm not really sure how you can do without this work even if you don't agree with it. You know, it's something that I think you can only benefit by in 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 one way or another. It's uh, as Jed says, it took him many many years of research, interviews, sessions, and studies to actually get to the to the point of being able to put it all together. And he's done a fantastic job to um, describe Bielsa and Bielsa's philosophy, which he, you know, Bielsa calls the philosophy of football. I mean. <laughs> What a statement that is! It, it, it's the, the magnanimity. The magnanimity of the statement is along the lines of uh, the people like Muhammad Ali and Shanks and, and Brian Clough, who used to say that they were the greatest. Well, anybody who says I have got the philosophy of football, I don't know what can supersede that really in terms of um, a statement of confidence. But that's what Bielsa's belief is. And so much so that some of the greats 
that are gracing our game at the moment in terms of coaches and management, you know, Pochettinos and Guardiolas and Simeones. They, they are actually called BL sisters, you know, people who've um, graduated from La Escuela de Bielsa, the school of Bielsa, because of the influence that this man's had. And if you doubt whether he has, you know, have a look at the story behind some of these coaches. Um, you know, Davies set out in his book, Jed Davies set out in his book to throw light on such things as the football be played between the lines, the, the, the war between possession and position and what's called the vertical game. And um, it's detailed, it's hard going at times because of the detail. Um, but I have to say that uh, Jed Davies does a, a phenomenal job to, um, to throw light on it. So um, can't give enough credit away. And this that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you today is something I've wanted to do for a while, but I needed to get through the book. And I need this to be clear, look, this football is a matter of opinions. That's what is what makes it the beautiful game or one of the things that makes it the beautiful game. And this is my opinion. This is my take. This is how I see Jed's work and how I filter it. So, you know, please, please, please take a deep dive in and find your own way through it. I think that's the only way forward. But here we go. This can only help, I think. So what I've done is I've divided it into four areas. The first area is an overview of the principles that are the, the framework for the philosophy. The second part are the technical aspects that are necessary to make the philosophy come to work in practical terms. The third part is the detail and the foundation underlying those technical requirements for the players. And the fourth part is the, what I'll call the, the tactical aspects of, of the philosophy. So we've got the technical aspects, we've got the tactical aspects, and we have the underlying principles and the overarching philosophy, if you like. So let, let's try and go through those in as logical order as we can. So first of all, the overarching principles of the philosophy, which create the framework. And I've called that space, verticality, and position over possession. And there is an article that I've written that goes along with this, um, as well as a video. So um, if you want to find out more about that, just have a look on the... Uh, the leader manager coach website and app and um, so you can take advantage of that but first of all the overarching principles that create the the framework for the philosophy of Marcello Bielsa as written by Jed Davis in his book the philosophy of football space verticality and position over possession space you know I'm not sure how old we are when we actually stop realizing that it's not about the ball I mean, as kids, who didn't chase around a school playground or a piece of waste ground chasing a football with 20 other boys or girls? Everybody must have done that at some stage in their life. At what age is it that we actually realise, whether that's as a player or a coach, that it's not about the ball? And one of the central tenets of, of Bielsa's philosophy is it's about space. It's not about players. It's not about formations. It's about space. 
And I get that because as somebody who I hold my hand up and say that, you know, I was a, I was a worker as regards a player. I, I could run, I could head it and I could tackle. But to do anything amazingly technical with the ball, that wasn't my, my forte. And, um, but even in even if I've got if I've got space, I used to say I still say it now. I say it to my players: if I've got space and time, I'm a great player. Space and creating space is a central tenet of Bielsa's philosophy. Verticality. This is an absolute blue ribbon thing in Bielsa's philosophy that you have to promote maximal effectiveness of possession by adopting this verticality approach, whereby verticality means from end to end, so not across the pitch, but up and down the pitch. Football is a penetration game, as Steve Rutter reminded me so well. And at all times, constantly in the game, you have to get your players to understand that so that they can penetrate as often as possible and create the necessary goal threat to score. It is about verticality and it is about penetration. And the better teams are at that concentration and understanding and therefore ability at every given possible moment of opportunity of penetrating and maximizing verticality, the better and more effective they're gonna be. That is highly linked to number three in the overarching framework philosophy of position over possession. You know, much has been said in the last few years in the game for people who've, who follow its agendas and, and follow its, its form and follow the, the, the things that are sexy in the game. You know, in the, in the 1980s when Italy won the World Cup in 1982 before many people were born probably listening to this, the great Italian defenders dominated and keeping clean sheets and being wonderful at the defensive side of the game was was demonstrated with Italy becoming world champions. And, you know, we move on, we move on, we move on and um, we can go through different areas, of course. Um, before that, you had total football with Holland, the Dutch. And obviously before that, in the 70s, you know, the, the absolutely magical, magical Brazil team. And, um, you know, before that, the Hungary team in the 1950s and so on and so on, and, or England in the 60s, the effective England in the 60s. But let's just move forward to the 90s. And obviously, you cannot fail into the 2000s and, and, and come to the understanding of, of the effect that Barcelona had. And what they had, what they did whether you're a football professional or you're just a supporter who, who likes to watch great games, is that they brought to the fore the amazing possession, in possession side of the game, where keeping the ball was where it was at. And I don't want to go into that debate too much, but that was what it looked like at a superficial level. And of course, when teams are getting 65, 70, 75% stats in terms of their possession of the game it, they are astounding games to watch at times and the way that Barcelona as an example and probably the prime example were able to keep the ball and work the ball you know 
was an amazing thing to, to be able to see. That doesn't take away anything from Liverpool in the 70s and Leeds in the 70s, who were also masters and dominance, showed dominance in possession. But Guardiola um, Bielsa talks about position over possession in the fact that, look, you can still keep the ball for 75% of the game, but you're not going to win it necessarily unless you understand other principles like verticality and where possession is most dangerous in terms of scoring goals for you. So it's position over possession. So those are the three that he talks about in terms of the overarching framework, space, verticality, and position over possession. And, and what I'd say to you just in underlining this is what, what out of those three can you just take and utilize in your own, in your own sessions possibly? And uh, look, I can't strongly recommend enough that A, you read the book and B, you listen to the podcast. Sorry, you take a look at the article just to, to help you with your understanding because this isn't something that you'll just sink in and, and you'll be able to use. It's about taking it in and then putting it into practice is the difficult thing. Otherwise, we'd all be world-class coaches. Okay, let's move on. Let's move on to the, the technical aspects. that, And this is how I've just divided it up. So I'm now looking at the technical aspects that you need your players to be good at in order to put into practice Bielsa's philosophy. The three are scanning, body shape and receiving. Scanning. Look, elite players have been shown statistically to demonstrate a far greater efficacy for scanning than what you might call their counterparts or average players. It is a vital part of a player's armory, you know, the awareness that allows them to know what to do to make a good decision, i.e. can they turn because they've got space behind them and create an opening and opportunity to score or is it dangerous for possession to do that and do they need to play with their back to goal and set the ball off to somebody else who's in a better position to play forward scanning 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 it allows people to be better players and it's one of those simple things that you if you can get your players to be good at it can absolutely fundamentally change their game i i actually think if you've got a player with the right amount of ability in the various areas that are necessary and you can get them to be good at scanning, particularly if they're a midfield or a forward player, then I think it can make such a phenomenal difference to the game. But it's a, an absolute requirement to put into practice successfully Bielsa's philosophy of being able to play forward. I mean, how can you play forward successfully and keep the ball if you don't know what the pictures are? Number two, body shape. Bielsa talks about teaching players and coaching players and ensuring that players have the correct body shape in order to maximise the verticality principle of playing forward and penetrating. The game is so quick today and players are so good today and it's so hard to create advantages that if your body shape is wrong, A, you will only be able to see a small part of the pitch and B, you will take, have to take so much time in order to get your, yourself into a situation to play forward, to penetrate, to create a goal threat that you're probably going to lose possession. So teaching players to learn to play with the most appropriate body shape, number two. And number three, receiving, which goes along 
as a triad, I suppose, in technical terms with scanning, then body shape, and, and, and thirdly, receiving. Teaching players to receive the ball or have control of the ball most successfully with the fewest number of touches with the most advantage. So can they receive the ball with different parts of the body, which then take the ball away from the opponent, which also gets them into a position of being able to penetrate rather than just securing possession, just setting it back with your back to goal, as some great players have done, particularly forwards who are fantastic at holding the ball up. But this goes a step further, talks about those receiving skills that young players particularly need to be coached on and need to understand the benefits and advantages of doing so to get through these absolutely monumental defences sometimes the and, and understand the, the crucial process of achieving penetration and positional possession, which can only be done with exceptional receiving skills. So those are the three from that underlie the technical aspect, the scanning, the body shape and the receiving that you can all work on on an individual basis with your players to actually achieve the first three principles of creating space, penetration or verticality and creating those possessions in great positions between the lines where you want to hurt people. Okay, so what comes next? Well, underlying the underlying principles of those technical aspects. So those technical aspects of being a great scanner, having great body shape, and being brilliant at receiving the ball. You then need to do two things. You need to get the ball forward. We'll talk, we'll say that's a pass. If you can't score or shoot, it's a pass. And by default, it will affect the game. And what I want to just spend a moment talking about here is how, how many times a story is, and, and coaches, you will understand this. And people in business will understand it, I'm sure. And people outside football in other sports will understand it. How many times, I can't tell you, that I've had people, sometimes it's parents, sometimes it's other coaches, who say to you, particularly when you come to a new arena or take on some new players or, or a new group. Oh, what about this player? Have a look at this player and have a look at that player. He's the best and she's the best and, and they're the best. And and you kind of listen and nod and take it all in. And, and you kind of, you know, think, okay, you know these people, these players, and, and I'll take that on board and I'll store it. And, and you look out for them. And how many of you relate to this? I can't tell you how many times it's happened to me where I, watch and yes i generally generally you will find that such players are easy on the eye because that's what attracts people to them they have ability normally they're, they're on, in, on the higher side of the technical ability scale but more often than not i end up disappointed and I don't know whether you can agree with me and you can relate to this, but you end up disappointed because for all their ability, for all their ability, their glorious showboating technique, if I can be so, use that phrase, and all the magic of their technical ability, it doesn't translate into any tangible success of any note. 
I heard somebody once say that such players are glorious five-a-side players. And I, and I kind of get that. It might be quite a rather a hurtful thing to say to somebody personally, but I kind of get it. They look great. They can control the ball. Wonderful in possession. Often lay it off really well. But don't affect the game. They don't hurt the opposition. They don't achieve what is necessary in a game. And this comes back to these two principles. Number one, the value of a pass. You know, I've been looking on some coaching forums and I've had a discussion with a few people about the value of a pass. And Jed Davis talks about it in his books. He talks about it eloquently and he talks about it at length. Where you're like, what is the value of a pass? You know, you could have a pass that takes out seven players of the opposition and at the same time puts your centre forward into a 1v1 with the goalkeeper. You could say that is a valuable pass. That could be a 9 out of 10 pass or even a 10 out of 10 pass. Compare that to a pass whereby you've got your one of your fullbacks on the ball in your defensive third under pressure who rolls the ball back to his own goalkeeper. That is a pass. It hasn't taken anybody out of the game. It hasn't created a goal threat opportunity directly. So is that a 0 out of 10 pass or 1 out of 10? But what happens if that pass then is the precursor of a pass from the goalkeeper to the central midfielder who has already scanned, who does a no-touch turn and then plays a pass between the two centre-halves for the centre-forward to be one-on-one with the goalkeeper? Is the pass back from the fullback to the goalkeeper any less of an effective pass? Well, in a direct comparison, yes. But in an indirect comparison, no, because it's the precursor of the pass. So having a value of a pass is a real a real issue of debate. But I hope you understand that every pass has to have a value. Because if you can see two or three moves ahead, you know what the value of that pass is. But just passing the ball for passing's sake is really the crux of this argument. And it goes back to that verticality. That... It's having that understanding of achieving that penetration at all times and not letting the opposition have a breather and off the hook because you're at them all the time or as often as possible because the values of your passes are absolutely maximum all the time. And by default, that is how much it affects the game. Because if all those players I talked about, those wonderful five-a-side players that I've kind of given a brand to, that you will know, understood that instead of just looking good on the ball, they actually affected the game, then maybe there'd be different outcomes to their careers and obviously to the games that they played in. So number the two underlying philosophies of these essential technical abilities of scanning, body shape and receiving are the value of a pass, and affecting the game, you know, and they're also the underlying principles of the of the framework of creating space, achieving verticality, and achieving great possession, uh, great pos- positions for your possession. 
So that moves us on to the last number four, which is the section where we just touch on and talk about the tactical aspect of the philosophy. And Davis, again, talks about this at length. And um, here I've broken it down into three areas. Number one, the relationship of structure and function. And the other two are diamonds and rotations. So the, the relationship of structure and function. Well, structure and function are highly interrelated concepts. There is, I'd love to have a debate on this and I'm probably sticking my neck out on the line, but let's have a chat about it. Structure and function are related because something has to be made or created with an end in mind so that its structure contributes to its function. So if you have a car that you want to be a racing car that goes quickly, it's no good having it made out of the heaviest steel and the most robust parts. It has to be made out of material that makes it go quicker, but obviously allows it to withstand the speed. Just to illustrate, if you are creating a machine that is to dig earth out for foundations on a building site, it's no good making it out of the same material that you put together in a sports car and having those beautiful cream leather seats, etc., etc., in, in a top of the range Jaguar or a BMW or a Ferrari. It's not, the structure is not functional. So structure and function go together. It's no good being four foot six footballer where the team plays the ball into the air in the box all the time, unless you have got the spring that, that can out jump anybody else, which is probably not gonna happen, but I'm sure you get the message. Structure and function. So how do you know what your structure is for your team? Well, let's go back a stage and say that, you know, we could talk all day as happens in, in, in any sports bar or any home where people are interested in football about formations, you know? There's nothing that stimulates conversation more in people who work in football and watch football than formations, whether it's 4-4-2 and the back three and the false nine and inverted wingers and the diamond and, you know, 4-5-1, whatever it is, 4-3-3. Formations, formations, formations. What the philosophy says and what Davis describes beautifully in his book, aided by some great quotes from, from other people, are that your structure has to come from your players. You have to know your players, first of all, because your players are your raw material. If you do not, do not know your players and your players' strengths and weaknesses, then you cannot come up with a formation that is maximally effective for your team. So, And this has been the undoing of many great managers and great coaches who've gone to other clubs, taken their philosophy with them that's worked, but has fallen down at the new club because they fail to realise that no matter how much they love their philosophy and how effective it was before, they haven't got the raw material to work with. And no matter how much they persevere, they cannot push square pegs into round holes. And it still happens today. So you have to know what your raw material is. 
Now, the other thing about structure and function is that Davis alludes to what Chris Davis, the great coach Chris Davis, talks about as animation in the fact that your structure is just your start and your basic setup for your roles and responsibilities. It's what happens next, the animation and the movement that comes from that, the subsequent phases of movement of the individuals, the units and the teams, which is the successful meat on the bone. You know, we don't stand still in a 4-4-2 and let people run through us. We move and we utilize, and it's how successful we are at that animation, as Davis calls it. So that is the relationship of structure and function. The structure is there as the guideline to start with the framework. And from that, we get the movement or the animation, which is, is into, the, into the functional aspect, which is related to what your players are good at. So that's structure and function in a simple, simple way. Now, related to that, and again, tactically, one of the great things and themes that runs through the book is... Bielsa's focus on effective passing whether that, and, and, and creating this verticality, this penetration with 2v1s, 3v1s, 4v2s, 5v3s, 8v4s, whatever you like in training sessions. But it all comes down to the same thing essentially in the fact that you are creating passing angles between you and one of your teammates or two of your teammates so that you can create create space or move the ball through a line and penetrate, use the verticality principle because of that angle and move on to the next level. And Bielsa and Davis demonstrate so well the use of diamonds, not necessarily just the diamond with your, with your deep line midfield play, your number 10 and your, and, your, and your two wider midfield players, that diamond shape, just diamonds between any of your players. So for example, a left-sided centre-half in a three, a left-sided wing-back, a, a left-sided central midfield player or a holding midfield player and a, a, a winger who's moved inside, that will create a diamond on the left side of the pitch. Just mirror it on the right side of the pitch. So diamonds can occur anywhere. And it's just the principle of a diamond of creating those passing angles that allow penetration to occur. And there's a massive focus in Bielsa's philosophy on creating those diamonds, whether that's in 2v1s, whether it's 3v1s, all over the pitch in all these areas to create that verticality, to create that positional possession and obviously goal threat. And added on top of that, just like animation is added on top of the structural formation, rotations are added on top of the diamond formations. So that's the movement aspect. So as one player moves from the top of the diamond, if you like, to the side of the diamond, the other player is replaced at the bottom of the diamond and moves to the other side of the diamond. And the player who was on the other side of the diamond then moves to the top of the diamond while the, another player moves out and on. So there's this constant creation and recreation all the time of these diamonds for these passing angles that allow the movement of the ball, the verticality, which creates the positional possession, which creates the goal threat. And those are the two 
other principles alongside which relate to and alongside the structure and function and complement structure and function so well in terms of the tactical um, aspects of the philosophy. And essentially those are the four areas. And, you know, this is one monumental topic. I don't mind saying that. And in a 30 minute podcast, um, I have no desire to claim that this is the, the be all and end all. As I said at the beginning, this is just my take on it. And I've tried to simplify it and I've tried to put it into a way that, that makes sense to me. And without a doubt, this book demands work from you. If you want an easy read, don't read this book. If you want to stretch yourself and test yourself, read the book. We have to, we do have to, as, as Davis mentions at the beginning of the book, it's, it's almost about learning to change the lens through which we view the game. And, you know, it's a, it's a brutal, it's a brutal philosophy, but actually it's a brutal philosophy in pursuit of kind of ro a romantic beauty, if you like, because everybody talks about football as the beautiful game and it's a bit of a romantic philosophy. But Bielsa's come up with this brutal way of achieving that. And, um, you know, it's one heck of a read. So just to summarise very quickly, it's the philosophy of football in Shadows of Marcello Bielsa by Jed Davis. And I've put it into four areas. The overlying structure of space, verticality and position over possession principles. The underlying technical abilities that are necessary of scanning, body shape and receiving. The underlying principles that allow those things to create the the framework which are the value of a pass and how it affects the game and then the, the tactical relationships of structure and function which in practical terms are heavily dominated by the formation of diamonds and the creation of rotation movements. Look, there's an awful lot in there, particularly to digest on, a, on an audio. And uh, I hope this is going to give you the inspiration to take a look at the book. I really hope it's going to give you inspiration to go and read the article because that will really nail, nail home a few principles and to uh, have a look at the video. It's all on uh, Leader Manager Coach. It's Jed Davis's The Philosophy of Football. As I said, it's a phenomenal read. And um, so, as always, um, it is uh, just my, my take on it. But uh, I'd like to thank you for your time, and um, I hope it's been of value. Let me know what you think. All right, catch you later. Bye-bye.